Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU. Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mayor Thursday on the Andy Griffin Show. Nine minutes after nine o'clock, you may be wondering, which mayor is it? Who is it? Well, the lottery winner or loser maybe today is Chris Hart from Ivan City. Hi, Chris. How are you? Doing great, Andy. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming on the show. I just got in my email. I think this is really cool. Uh, Right after my show is uh, the guys that replaced Rush Limbaugh, Clay, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. And they just barely sent this to me. And I wanted to play it because I think it's so cool. This is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Stay tuned for Clay and Buck coming up next. Yeah, that was uh, Clay, Clay Travis there. I'm impressed. It's kind of cool. I, you know, it, It's funny. When I got this job, and I, I really haven't worked full-time in radio my whole life until three years ago when I got this job, Chris. And, and uh they would tell me, hey, hey, you know, get Rush Limbaugh to say something or, or get Sean Hannity or, or, you know, all these big, big names in radio. And I'm like, they're not going to do that for me. I'm just, a, you know, I'm St. George, Utah, or, you know, th- there's no way. And they're like, what are you talking about? They do it all the time. Just send it in to them. And I'm like, eh, okay. So uh, this past week uh, in conversations with my boss, he's like, all right, oh, we need new liners because we changed our FM frequency. We didn't need them from Ben Shapiro and Sean Hannity and Mark Levin and Clay and Buck and uh, Dave Ramsey. And I'm like, okay, but I don't think they're going to do it. Well, in my inbox now, I've like three or four have already sent uh, liners back with the voices of those uh, famous people. It's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. So uh, yesterday was a big day for Ivan City. It was the State of the City Address with Mayor Hart. How did that go for you? Was it, uh, were you nervous? Was it no big deal or was it kind of a big deal? Well, it was fun, actually. We had had folks from all over the county that came out to... uh, to witness that it was uh, sponsored uh, by the chamber of commerce and so don willie and his team yeah. had lunch for everybody that was probably the big draw free food and, yeah. well, yeah, not, not then, free but food and uh, <laughs> after after lunch they all came in and and uh, i talked about what's going on out in our city so uh yeah you didn't address the the personal part of it though were you nervous was was you I mean, you, you're, you've been around the block a few times, and, and I, I would think that you've been, done plenty of public speaking in your life. So for you, was it was it tough, or was it, were you like, nah, no big deal? I mean, it's a big deal. I I may be an odd duck, but I don't I don't get terribly nervous in that kind of a setting because I I've got a lot of information. Uh, I know what's going on in the city, and so I just I pretty much just talk about it. We put together a PowerPoint presentation to. Um, show the highlights of, of what we were going to discuss. And um, we covered a lot of ground, starting with our brand-new city hall. It was uh, it's the first time most of those folks had seen it. We invited them to tour it after the, after the presentation. I wish, I wish I had been there. I Actually, yesterday, I, I had fully planned to go and listen to you and have lunch out there. Uh, unfortunately, work has piled up to the point where I worked straight through until like three o'clock and, and didn't even take a lunch. And, and so, but uh, yeah, so the new city hall. Andy, you can come out anytime and I'll give you a private tour. How's that? I would love it. I it's a pretty it. incredible building. I think it's a beautiful building. It's quite different looking, quite mm-hmm. contemporary. The roof lines uh, are not really conventional, but all of them have 
a specific reason for appearing the way they do. Mm -hmm. um, we incorporated um, a lot of passive solar, uh, clear story windows uh, across the length of the building in a couple of uh, tiers. So we've got natural light coming all the way through the building. And, uh, and with passive solar, you get a little heat gain in the winter and, and uh, your overhangs prevent that in the summertime. Um, I told them that uh, our building is is what we call net zero for power, meaning it uh, it uses it it makes it generates yeah. all of the power that it that it's re, uh, it requires over the course of a year, and that's pretty pretty cool too. I think really cool. We have a fantastic yeah. heating and cooling system in it, the most efficient thing known to man, uh, I believe, and uh, we literally have uh, a mechanical room that I think is a uh, a mechanical work of art. It's just an incredible network of pipes and so forth that bring water in from 20 uh, what we call wells in a loop uh, out out under our west parking lot. 65 degree water, and that that temperature is transferred into our into the uh, refrigerant um, fluid that goes to to a whole bunch of individual little mini heat pumps throughout the building. So. Hmm. Our building allows each of our staff to set the temperature in their own office at, at whatever they want. So it's it's very uh, it's a very sophisticated system, and and uh, and our our staff love it. You know, one person wants it seventy five, the the next person wants it sixty eight. So that would be that works. That would be perfect for my wife and I because I want it sixty two and she wants it eighty two. <laughs> I know. That's, so <laughs> that's usually the way, right? <laughs> But I mean, beyond that, it's a it's a beautiful building inside. It has it has this incredible seventy foot long rammed earth wall? It's called that it, uh, mm -hmm. was the architect's representation of Ivan City. Uh, that is based on the theme Earth, Water, and Hard Work, which represents the short but um, powerful history of Ivan City. That began as a Santa Clara bench with nothing but hard red dirt, right? No water source. Mm -hmm. Nineteen eleven through nineteen thirteen, the a um, couple of enterprising engineers built a canal from Gunlock across the Red Mountain to the, the bench. 1918, the uh, Ivan's Reservoir, the first reservoir in the county, was completed. So we had water up there. And then 13 incredibly brave, <laughs> industrious farm families uh, moved up onto the bench to homestead one-acre lots. And I'm not kidding you, the sacrifice and hard work that they went through to to germinate the seed of our city is just incredible. When when I read the, their histories, some of them lived in boarded up tents for as long as a couple of years, no running water. Can you imagine oh, that in 110 wow. degrees, Andy? But the sacrifice was great, and uh, those are house th those names are household words in Ivan's now, <laughs> Goobler and Entz and all uh, and several others. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> anyway, that was that was the fun part of it, and then we talked about water, which was maybe the least fun part of it. <laughs> did Did you do a Q and A yesterday? We did. Did you? Yeah, covered enough ground that there weren't a lot of questions. But oh, they they were they were kind to you then. You didn't get anybody saying, "Hey, what's wrong with you? yeah?" You know that kind of. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe those folks didn't know that we were having it, or they'd have been there. Huh? <laughs> well, they can call today if they want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, six seven three five eight ninety is our studio uh, phone number here. Um, who, whose idea was it to have a state of the city? Was that uh, Don and, and those guys at the chamber? Well, as you know, uh, the larger cities uh, almost always have state of the city addresses. Sure. In fact, St. George's was just a yeah, couple of days ago. That was, um, and I'd kind of never thought of that. You know, we're we're this uh, little city out there on the fringe of the metropolitan area, right? And um, mm -hmm. 
But Don approached us a, a year ago about doing doing the first one, which we did up in Tuacon, and it was a good thing, you know. Uh, folks, um, there's so much going on in this county. You pick your city, that that there are really interesting things for folks to to learn about uh, that they wouldn't otherwise know. So it's a good it's a good opportunity. That, that prompted in my brain the question about Ironman. Uh, we've got the World Championships coming up in a in a couple of months. Uh, does that affect Ivans at all? Are they coming? Are they out there at all? Or do they, they come through? Or they do come through Ivans on the cycling route. Okay. Um, the full Ironman that's coming up, I believe, in October, September, October. Mm. Anyway, that one dissects our our city, so that'll be fun. Hmm. They come clear through the city on the first pass and and out to Gunlock and around that loop, and then come back a second time and turn up Snow Canyon. So we'll we'll be fairly disrupted that day. Is is it, you know, I, I talked, I mean, Jeremy Larkin and I feel the same way. It's worth a little disruption for the uh, exposure, the financial benefit, the, I mean, it's stupid, but we, we're kind of proud of where we live. Ivan, St. George, we you are. Know, Santa Clara. It's, it's worth it to a lot of us. Now, there are those that are listening right now that are saying, well, it's not worth it. You know, to, to have these big events because all it does is disrupt things, and and we don't want any more growth anyway. What are your thoughts on all that? Well, I can see that point of view too, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe uh, it's worth doing. Uh, we have time to plan, right? <laughs> yeah. For that day or those days, and uh, if we're to the point that that a minor disruption like that is uh, is enough to turn us against something. Maybe we ought to think about um, what we're thinking about. Yeah, maybe move a little further out into the country, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm looking uh, at your website, by the way. and It's ivans.com. You have your own .com. That's pretty cool. Uh, and, and I'm not seeing a picture of the new building. That's the only thing, the only complaint I have about the web. Great website, very fast and, and gets you where you need. But I, I have not been able to navigate to a picture of your new building. So I'm, I'm working on finding it. It might be my fault, but. Uh, I haven't looked for a picture of the building uh, since <laughs> since it's been completed. Beautiful picture but, of Ivan's in the Red Mountains, for sure. Well, perfect. That's the most yeah. important part. <laughs> You're right. You're right about that. Uh, okay, so state of the city, Ivan's. Uh, let's talk about some of those things that are fun and, and maybe not so fun. Uh, obviously, the first thing that comes up, and we heard uh, Mayor Randall address it in their state of the city in St. George, was water. Um, what what kind of I mean beyond the big ones you got the Lake Powell pipeline and you got a few different reservoirs that are planned and stuff is there is there stuff we're forgetting stuff we don't know about maybe that concern Ivan's as far as water I think what a lot of people don't understand Andy is that Washington County had never gone quite far enough uh, on the conservation front mm-hmm. and through the years we'd kind of banked on that Lake Powell pipeline. Right. To satisfy our future needs. Eventually it'll and, be here. No big deal. Yeah, that kind of Well, attitude. I mean, we literally had dates that we were planning on. And if you, if you looked at some of the graphs that Ron Thompson presented over the years, it showed where the Lake Powell pipeline picks up on the deficiencies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was slated to commence in about three years from now. Well, obviously, there's no action on, on the pipeline now other than nope. trying to work it through the, uh, the federal uh, agencies. But... I think what we what we have failed to recognize is that much of the rest of the Southwest, uh, including California, has gone to far more draconian uh, conservation measures than we have, and they have, uh, for the most part, developed their their reuse program so that all of the water that 
that goes down the sewer system is processed and then put into storage reservoirs to be used during the the higher demand periods of the year in the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when the pipeline w- appeared to be getting close, we had the environmental uh, uh, work all done. The lower basin states, uh, Arizona, Nevada, and California, um, filed suit against the pipeline, claiming that we had that we had not that we had not developed all of these other sources, meaning conservation is really the low-hanging fruit. Every gallon you don't use is a gallon that's available, right? Right. And, uh, and then the, the reuse program, we, we only develop about 25% of our reuse water, and the rest of it goes down the Virgin River. So As the, opposed to somewhere maybe in Las Vegas or California or whatever where they're a little better at that. Well, Las Vegas pumps every drop of their, of their reuse water back into Lake Mead. And and so they they probably had a le- legitimate claim, you know. It's like, well, okay, Southern Utah, are you really acknowledging that you live in a desert over there? <laughs> and so you see now the emphasis is is now on uh, the conservation measures, some some very uh, some very strong new measures that are going to be adopted by the cities on new construction, mm-hmm. and uh, the hope is that through education and incentives, you know, turf buybacks and different things like that, replace toilet replacement programs that we can achieve that among our existing residents as well over a period of time. Is, is it as simple as that? Maybe reducing the amount of grass, maybe making a toilet that uses you know, less water, a gallon instead of three or whatever. Absolutely. It, Absolutely. It's that simple. You hmm. bet. Well, there are, there are a lot of things that waste water. High-gallon, uh, old-fashioned toilets that, mm-hmm. that drop 1.8 gallons or more per flush now we can go down to as low as 0.8 gallons. Now you just think of how much uh, uh, how much water is wasted just with that. A, a gallon every flush. Wow. My, my, my big the the thing that I've been standing on the soapbox uh, screaming at the county and and beyond about is that we waste so much water waiting for hot water to get to our taps. True. That uh, that every home needs to have uh, a reuse a recirculating hot water line. And it's not an expensive thing, I think seven hundred fifty dollars ish on on the uh, on a mid-sized home or large home, mm-hmm. and that brings hot water to the tap almost instantly. So the average home, Andy, this might surprise you. The average home wastes over ten thousand gallons a year with water that that is just going down the tap, waiting for the hot water to get there. And so that's one of the new uh, that's one of the new conservation measures that's being written written into ordinances across the, the county, and th- there are a variety of others. The, the type of sprinkler timer makes a big difference. The type mm. of appliances uh, that we have in our houses make a big difference as well. So in, in Ivan's, one of the things that I guess I had to boast about is that th- there is there is a standard that's imposed by the state as to how many acre feet or what percentage of an acre foot. The, the district has to set aside for each new hookup. Mm-hmm. That historically has been 0.89 acre feet. Dang near a whole acre foot of, picture that, an acre of water. A foot deep, hmm. right? And that's, so the, the district has about got the state convinced to drop that to 0.78, so we're going to lose a, a tenth. But in Ivan City, our current water use is 0.59. Oh, nice. So we have been very aggressive right on the, cons- on the conservation front, and we have the benefit of Kayenta, where very little water is used. And back to my building, 
the most uh, the most water efficient landscape you'll ever see. We don't have a blade of grass on our uh, around our new city hall. Is um, why is that number lower in Ivans than other places? Is it regulations? Is it uh, master plan? How, how did you achieve that? So I think a lot of the uh, the water waste is on the exterior of the home. Historically, 60% of the water was used outside, 50% inside, or 40% inside. That's balanced out down here to be a roughly 50-50 kind of deal. But turf is is the biggest water user in any landscape. Right. And what what has been discovered is that that down here as as is the case really frankly across most of Utah, we have a lot of grass that is non-functional grass. It's decorative grass, right? It's there because we like the color green. It's beautiful against the Red Mountain and so mm-hmm. on. But, but it's not accomplishing anything except waiting to be mowed. And uh, the push now is to try and eliminate that, that non-functional grass. I mean, I had a small family, right? I would have I I just not been able to make it if we hadn't had a, a yard area where they could go out and throw a, throw a ball or a Frisbee or yeah, yeah, run around, same, right? Same here, same here. Yep. And, big, big uh, and so people need some of that, but the question is how much. And uh, that, that amount is, uh, is being restricted even further than it has been in, in these new conservation measures. You know, when you're young, uh, I don't know how you were, but when I was young, we lived in apartments, and uh, there's no there's no yard. If you live in an apartment building, there might be a maybe a commons area or some grass in the middle, uh, if you're lucky. And we had one house, we or one apartment, we lived near a park. Uh, we adjusted to life. If we wanted to throw the ball or whatever, we went to the park. And then, as you know, as I got my own house, I one of the things that was important to me was have a big grassy backyard for my boys to to be boys. You know what I mean? And, but as we matured, you know, we, we changed houses a couple of different times. Uh, but the thing I think about is we wanted to downsize our house and we weren't thinking about water or grass or anything like that. We just had, you know, this 4,000 square foot house that only about 2,500 feet of it was actually being used. And so, you know, three years ago, we were able to downsize and get a house that more suited our needs. And we're actually empty nesters now for the first time for about a month now. Oh, congrats. But yeah, it's crazy. I'm not, it's kind of weird. But, uh, you know, one of the things that was accomplished was we have very little grass now. One of the things that Zach Renstrom said, and he's probably told you this too, he says, if the only time you go on your grass is to mow it, you probably don't need that grass. It's true, right? That's a great point because yeah. uh, there. I think everybody that's listening, not everybody, most people that are listening probably have that patch of, of yard where it doesn't get used and, and except to get mowed. Yeah. Well, you touched on an important point, too, uh, speaking as a civic leader. Mm-hmm. The need for park space compounds as, uh, as multifamily increases, multifamily developments increase and so mm-hmm. forth, where, where there is too little of that recreation space. Right. And so I think cities have got to, to really look hard at, um, at providing that space where, like you, years ago, yeah. could go and run around in the grass or play baseball or whatever. And so our parks, I think, are g- going to become increasingly important. Important as they are now, I think, I think that's going to compound over the years. And by the way, back to this, uh, back to this issue of, of uh, optimizing our conservation measures and our uh, reuse, uh, reuse development, mm-hmm. I don't believe that we're going to see 
any movement on the Lake Powell pipeline until we achieve those two things. It's like you guys need to do what you can Interesting. before this, this additional Colorado River water is going to be made available to you. So instead of us bailing you out, you have to prove to us that, you know, you're worthy of it kind of a thing. Kind of like that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's Utah's water uh, with, you know, un- under the, uh, the, the compact, yeah. the 1918 compact. hundred years old. It, 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 it's Utah's water. But um, I, think, I think the other states are going to hold our feet to the fire on this. Or to the water, anyway. All right, let's, let's go to the phone line. Seth, thanks for holding on. You're on with Andy with uh, Mayor Hart. How are you? Let me applaud uh, the mayor and everybody else about Xeriscape. And uh, yeah. I just assure you, I don't have a blade of grass on my property. Good for you. Because it's really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about dumb, but I, I, no, I understand. If you're we'll not, get, if we'll you're, get some more. We'll get some more calls over that. If you're not going to use it, though, why have it? Right? Yeah. Well, it 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 serves no useful purpose, and it goes back to our genetics. Most of us came from Europe, England, and the richer you were around your castle, mm. the more grass yeah. and the more golf you you needed in your community you wanted to see the bad guys before they got to your castle <laughs> so we got to get, we have to erase our tendency uh and and you need to ask well why do we want grass and mowing and fertilizing and uh doing all of this really dumb stuff because our great-grandfather uh, worked at the castle, and his job was to mow the grass and make sure when they were playing golf that they could hit the hole properly. Yeah, yeah, good point. So, yeah, so uh, it's time for Xeriscape. Uh, I got a little quick solution for you. Look okay. out the window at what God puts here. Yeah. And that's what... Uh, we need to find to beautify, to make it, to trim it, that that you don't water and you don't care for and you don't fertilize and you, uh, you don't waste your time and your energy doing something that is uh, in direct opposition to what God has already created. Good point. So the, the district and the... We have to do the same dumb thing forever and ever and never understand why we're doing it. Well, this current situation has uh, has forced us to take a look at those very kinds of things, Seth. The uh, countywide, we're looking at, at grass that is, is uh, performing no useful function, uh, beginning with things like the, like the little strip of grass between the, the back of the curb and gutter, and the sidewalk, you know, mm-hmm. that, that does nothing. It sure is pretty. And, and there, there are a lot of other areas where, where the grass is simply not used. It's, it's decorative is the term that's used, that applies to it. And so that sort of grass, um, there's a movement afoot uh, very strongly in motion now in, in St. George particularly to remove that kind of grass and, and uh, salvage that, uh, that water. But it's, it's, a, it's a touchy thing. I mean, if... If keeping the bad guys from getting to the castle is a reason for having some grass, I probably want a little in the front of my house. Right? <laughs> well, and I think it's important to mention, Chris, that 
we're not advocating no vegetation whatsoever. No. Uh, Tucson tried that. Didn't work out so well for them. No. We need trees. We need, uh, you know, I mean, go to the desert garden. You, you see all kinds of beautiful vegetation. It's just we don't need the kind of uh, water-sucking vegetation like a, a lawn just to have a lawn. We can do better. There are some beautiful xeriscape landscapes out there, and um, I've come to appreciate the um, not just the, the water conservation aspect of that, but just the sheer beauty of it. Mm-hmm. Do a nice job with that, and and there is no place more beautiful than Ivan's. Uh, as far I as agree the, with the, that, the red rocks and everything, <laughs> incredible. So we're on with Mayor Chris Hart on Mayor Thursday. Got to get a weather break in, Mayor. Sure. Uh, we'll talk more uh, about water and about some of the other things, including really, 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 really fast internet coming to Ivan's. Uh, stay tuned. Right now, we're going to check in with weather. News Radio eight ninety ninety two five KDXU. Andy Griffin and Troy Paul here. Talking barbecue, our favorite topic as always, Troy. And I guess you have a few questions for me, huh? I do, yeah. (laughs) I'm always telling people, here's what I like to cook. Mm -hmm. I think what everybody wants to know is, what do you like to cook and how do you do it? You know, a few years ago, maybe two, it was right after you and I met uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and you opened your store, I'd stopped by a local grocery store, and I came across something called a turkey tenderloin. And I'm like, well, what is that? I'd never had it before. I didn't buy it at the time. Mm -hmm. But a friend had asked me if I would smoke some turkey for him for Thanksgiving. I'm like, yeah, sure. I was going to spatchcock it, whatever. Well, he shows up with two turkey tenderloins and says, hey, will you smoke these for me? And I was like, okay, I've never done that before, but I'll look it up, and I'll call Troy, and hey, what do I do with this (laughs) thing? And and uh, yeah, it, it turned it turned pretty magical. And I've actually come to really love turkey tenderloin. One of the great things about it, it's like a three-hour smoke. Now, if you're talking, you know, p- you know, pork butt or brisket or whatever, you're talking 12, 16, 18, 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Three-hour smoke is really short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that because I know that you're a big turkey guy. Yeah, I and love so you're turkey. always talking about yeah. whenever you can. It's like, oh, I want to do turkey this, turkey that, and that's <laughs> that's cool, but. Um, when you started talking about this turkey tenderloin, I'd never done one before. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know where the loin of the turkey is. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, of course, there's pork loins, and that's uh-huh. going to be similar. So if you like um, same, something, same cook, something yeah. a little bit smaller that's going to cook um, a little quicker than the pork loin is great, but you've had really good success with turkey loin. What do you put on it? Now, it takes really good to flavors, and that's one of the things I like about turkey is you can kind of it, – it, it's an open palate. You can yeah. make it anything you want. It, it, it absorbs the smoke really well. You have a good smoke flavor. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm so partial to the uh, Jolly Rogers Luton Booty. Uh, I put that on there often if I want. One of the little secrets I found, I think Yori actually told me this, Yori Ludvig, Ludvigson, our friend, and it, yeah. uh, he has this powdered – uh, Frank's Red Hot. Oh, sure, yeah. And I'll put just a little teeny bit of that before I put on the Jolly Roger, the Luton Which is Booty. a garlic jalapeno. Yeah, rub. so it yeah. has just a little kick to it, and I found that to be the best flavoring for it. And then, of course, then I'll pick up my favorite sauce at the barbecue pit stop and dip it, too. Of course, you're a big sauce guy also. So, <laughs> all right, there it is. Andy's favorite thing to cook, the turkey yeah, tenderloin. turkey tenderloin. Hey, call me the meat man. That is Troy. Troy came in and recorded a couple of those uh, yesterday, and uh, he surprised me. He said, hey, I want to know what you cook. And I was like, oh, oh okay. I wasn't ready for this, but uh, do love the turkey tenderloin. It's Mayor Thursday on the Andy Griffin Show. Mayor Chris Hart, do you, do you smoke barbecue at all, Mayor? No. Not I'm, really I'm, your thing? I'm, 
I'm not really much of a cook. A couple of specialty things, but uh, when I want barbecue, I go out for oh, barbecue. You should come to my house. I'll cook, <laughs> I'll cook you up something. Okay. I always, tell, I always tell my friends, I'm like, they're like, hey, will you smoke for me? And I'm like, you know what? If you buy whatever it is, a pork shoulder or brisket or whatever, if you buy enough for me to have some for my family too, I'll smoke anything you want. So <laughs> Good deal. That's the way to do it. But, uh, yeah, Troy will be on, uh, actually, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Tuesday's earlier in the show, and then Thursday and Friday, sometime probably during the Andy Griffin show. So that's cool. Uh, a couple of things to note uh, before we get back to talking with Mayor Hart. Uh, on Saturday, we have three, well, this weekend, we have three new shows debuting. One is called The State of Us, one is called Amazing Americans, and one is called Strange Planet. Uh, and then next week, we have an early morning show. Before I come on the air at 6, we're going to have another uh, uh, new show. So things are looking up, changing, getting better, I believe, on KDXU. Uh, on Monday, as a matter of fact, oh, oh, also on a travel show on Saturday, a new travel show with uh, Larry Gelwicks is going to join us on KDXU uh, for eleven, the 11 to 1 show. Uh, talk, just talking about traveling the world and, and having fun. So Larry is going to be on my show on Monday, as well as Richard Surrett. And Richard Surrett used to run a, a show that's called, it used to be called The Conspiracy Show. He, he's gone out on his own and he's changed the name of it to Strange Planet. But he's going to be on the show on Monday as well. As uh, We're just going to have a, a lot of fun and get uh, get you fired up. I want people listening to KDXU on Saturdays again, because uh, to be honest, when I first started here, Saturday was kind of like, why would I turn on KDXU? There's nothing going on on KDXU. Now there's stuff going on on KDXU. It's going to be good stuff. So uh, we invite you all to listen to KDXU uh, starting this coming Saturday. A bunch of new shows. I'll give you times. Uh, tomorrow we'll talk about times and uh, exactly when things are going to be on and stuff. And we also have a, a Sunday morning sermon, if you're a religious person, uh, at uh, 8 o'clock every Sunday morning. It's called The Flatline forward line of thinking kind of help you sort out where you belong in the in the great plan uh and that's on every week as well so right now chris hart ivan city mayor is with me gave the state of the city yesterday the state of ivan city uh yesterday at the uh, brand new city hall how long has that been open now we moved in uh, late november okay about what three months maybe Mm -hmm. yeah two and a half three months uh and you're loving it. You, know, you talked about some of the great innovations. One of the innovations happening with uh, Ivan City uh, is Utopia. Is that right? Well, Ivan City has not uh, committed to Utopia. Oh, okay. It's, uh, it's San- maybe coming. Santa Clara City is the right, one that uh, right. the one that okay. took the lead on this. Uh, I know that uh, St. George City is also taking a look at it. What, so, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Because I've talked, I've actually talked with people who are big time pro utopia. It, it's not fiber, basically internet to speed up your internet. But I've talked to people who also are like, I don't know about that. You're committing a lot of money to the future of utopia. What do you think? Well, Mayor? it's a very different program. Uh, utopia originated, oh, good grief, a couple of decades ago. Mm-hmm. And was kind of an interlocal agreement. There were some communities up in northern Utah that that wanted to improve the the uh, speeds of their internet service. Is and that so, what Provo uses right now? Provo have that? I know they uh, have really fast internet there, but it, Provo could be one of them. Uh, yeah. You can pop onto Utopia's web, website and see the the cities that already have it. And you know, if you're curious, you can get a lot of information there. But their program is to come into a city like Ivan's. Mm-hmm. Assess what it would take to put a fiber optic to every household and business. And then um, they would theoretically reach an agreement with the city 
sign a contract, and then Utopia bonds for that infrastructure. So the city doesn't have to dedicate any of their bonding capacity for this. What the city has to do is guarantee that there would be a certain percentage of the households that would sign up for Utopia service. Uh, And if that falls short, then the city's obligated for whatever piece of the the bond payment remains. So that, I mean, that's where the risk lies, right? Yeah. Um, So they, they, uh, claim to guarantee one gig up and one gig down, mm-hmm. so the, which is the, incredibly the, fast. The, yeah, folks. yeah, the speeds would would improve, uh, but to their credit, um, TDS and and CenturyLink and others have been systematically improving their service, running running fiber optic ever closer to each individual hookup. Right, they go to what they call the nodes, mm-hmm. uh, and then as as a certain number of homes uh, are in add to that node, then they move it ever closer. Let me stop you for one second. How old are you, Chris? I'm 73. 73 years old. Do you hear what he's talking about, folks? This is modern technology. This is cutting-edge stuff. And we're not talking about a 27-year-old up-and-comer. We're talking about a guy that's been around a while. I'm, imp- <laughs> well, I'm impressed, Chris, that oh. you do a fantastic job of learning all this new technology. Well, my kids will tell you that uh, they have to come and take care of every, <laughs> every time I have a problem with the remote, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's but true. but the, the Utopia program is is unique in this way, Andy. So basically, the pipeline for Internet service becomes a uh, – not exactly a city asset, but, it, but it's not owned by the ISPs. It's not, not owned by a specific Internet service provider like TDS or whatever. They have their own, they have their own systems. And in our, in our bill, we pay for that system in addition – to the, the service that they provide, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is that, that if the pipeline is available for a number of ISPs, uh, and up north you'll see that uh, a lot of the communities have got half a dozen or maybe even more right. internet service providers that use U- Utopia's pipeline. And so you've got some choices out there uh, that you can exercise hmm. as, you, as you select the service. Um, we, have, we currently have a survey underway in Ivan's on our website. It would invite all Ivan's residents to go on and, and uh, fill out that, that very brief survey to show your interest because at some point in time, the Ivan City Council is going to have to decide, do we want to, to jump in with Santa Clara or do we want to just continue as we, as we are, hoping that, that uh, TDS and CenturyLink and other providers in Ivan's will continue to invest out there. And to their credit, I mean, they have been. They've improved speeds dramatically, but you know you're still you're still locked into a to a cable type connection, right? Ultimately, yeah. in that, and we have a lot of sophisticated businesses coming into the area, resort type businesses coming into the area where internet speeds are going to be critical. Um, and so, you know, I, th- I think us, like other cities, are beginning to regard well, beginning we have for some time regard um, internet as um, as in, in the same category as roads and water lines and sewer in, lines, right? It's, it, yeah. it's, it's a critical infrastructure now. And mm-hmm. uh, particularly as people move here to work from home and so forth, we're going to have to be able to provide those kinds of speeds for them to be able to, uh, to function uh, in, in that way at their own homes. Well, if you think about a guy uh, who made a bunch of money, dot-com type money, maybe not a multi-multi-millionaire, but a guy with plenty of money uh, wants to move to southern Utah, if he goes to a town and this town offers high-speed Internet and this town's not there yet, especially very high-speed Internet, 
that young guy, you know, 28-year-old, 35-year-old with a young family is going to go, I'm going to maybe build or buy over here. Yeah. And not only that, Andy, but you think of about how much you use that, that internet line mm-hmm. now compared to five years ago. We have our appliances talking to us now That's and, and communicate. <laughs> so yeah. uh, as time goes by, the, the demand for bandwidth it continues to increase. And so I think ours and other cities are going to have to face the fact that we have got to get ultra-high-speed service there, or we are going to disadvantage ourselves uh, in, in, um, among those who are looking for a place to reside. So with Santa Clara getting Utopia, is there pressure then? Are your citizens uh, giving you pressure or your businesses or whatever giving you pressure saying we need to do what they're doing? I've had a number of emails uh, mm-hmm. as soon as that word got out asking if there was any way that Ivans could, could get on board with that. Hmm. But, but I would encourage ours and other residents across the county to, to look at, uh, at Utopia, you know, study up on it. There are, there are, I mean, Utopia has a bit of a checkered past, hmm. so there are reasons that people are, are a little bit skeptical, but they seem to be functioning very well right now, and, and uh, the kinds of fears that would have existed maybe 15 or 20 years ago, um, I think, have been dissipated. I will say this. Uh, I, I, I did some work, and I, I've been involved in using Internet stuff for, you know, for my job for a long time. I mean, I remember way back in, like, 1989 where I had this little Tandy. We called them the Trash 80s, the TRS-80. And you could only see, like, two or three lines at a time. <laughs> and then you had to hook it to your phone line and dial in to send your stories into the Tribune or the Deseret News. And, you know, things have changed, obviously, since then. But uh, I, do, I do recall last time I was covering a major event in the Provo area, uh, my son was like, well, let's go up and, and say, I had photos and stories and all kinds of stuff. He said, let's go up to campus. And I said, why? You know, isn't your internet good here? He said, my internet's good here, but you should see what it's like on campus. And I had, I would say at least a hundred meg of photos to upload and they were, it was instant. It was like, boom, they're in. <laughs> I could not believe the speed. Yeah. So well, ha- having the fast speed is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, just think, Andy, of the number of devices that you have in your own. Well, you're empty nesters now, but I, I dare say, <laughs> <Used to have. laughs> I dare say, a, a family out there with four or five kids, maybe, and uh, teenagers especially, uh, you've not only got uh, TVs and and your own uh, laptops and and desktops and so forth, but you got your smartphones, you know, that are all Bluetoothing to that or. Mm-hmm. Um, and iPads anyway. and yeah. Alexa and Siri and yes. all that stuff. I, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely definitely something that is part of uh, who we are now. So there's a great interest in Ivan's yeah. in that, and uh, we'll see if it crosses the finish line or not. Okay. Chris Hart, uh, we're going to take another break. Uh, when we come back, we're with the mayor of Ivan's. Uh, again, uh, let me take a minute to talk about Joe Shoney. Online reviews are phenomenal. He has... Uh, 607 verified reviews on experience.com, and the overriding uh, feeling is this dude's great. 4.9 out of 5 stars, including uh, I, I was scrolling down yesterday during the show. I got like five pages deep on the scrolling before I found one that was not five stars, and it was four stars. 
So that tells you how much people think of Joe Shoney and the way he does business. He's a loan officer serving Southern Utah for more than two and a half decades. His specialty, instead of just being the guy you go and sign papers with, is is customer service, making sure you're kept up on what's going on with your loan every step of the way. It's Joe Shoney. His phone number is 435-590-6300. It's NMLS 121041. Your friends at Travis Larson Construction are encouraging everyone to support all of our local businesses. Think local before you buy. Travis Larson Construction has been serving Southern Utah since 2004. They specialize in quality custom homes, including room additions, renovations, and more. Visit them online at travislarsonconstruction.com or call 435-531-1096 for quality custom homes with a personal touch. That's Travis Larson Construction, encouraging everyone to shop local. The BYU Cougars trying to rebound from that tough loss to Gonzaga. They've got two games this weekend. Of course, they'll be right here on KDXU. Thursday night, 9 p.m. tip-off, so 8.30 pregame as the Cougars visit Loyola Marymount. And then Saturday night, BYU visits Pepperdine. They go out to the coast and see if they can get a win on the road. That game starts at 8, so 7.30 pregame, 8 o'clock tip with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Don't miss out on the BYU Cougars right here on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Hey guys, there is some important news that all men should take very seriously. Your prostate health. Are you urinating more frequently? Are you waking up at night to urinate? Are you sick and tired of prostate pills that just don't work? Sound familiar? If you are one of the millions of men with prostate problems that are driving you nuts, there is some great news. Prostagenics is the all-natural product that beat over 157 other prostate supplements in lab tests and was rated the number one most powerful prostate supplement in the world. Number one, because it works. So why not try some Prostagenics and your prostate troubles will be a thing of the past. You'll get a great night's sleep and stop waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. To get your free bottle of Prostagenics, call now, 800-600-2020. That's 1-800-600-2020. Take advantage of our 90-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-600-2020. Do it now. This is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Stay tuned for Clay and Buck coming up next. I still think that's pretty cool. Anyway, it's the uh, Mayor Thursday on the Andy Griffin Show. Uh, honored to have Mayor Chris Hart with me on this day. Chris uh, has been, uh, how long have you been a Southern Utah resident now? About 24 years. 24 years, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I would say you're a native now, uh, almost, but uh, I've been here 29 years, and I still get all your new here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, From the people that have been here uh, 40, 50, 100 years. I've so. got friends who grew up here, right, and... Uh, we just uh, celebrated the 100th birthday for our, our oldest resident, Jack Reber, out in Ivins, who recently passed away. But uh, he moved to Ivins when he was a four-year-old with his family and um, wow, and died in, in the veteran's home out there, which he, he helped pave the way to, to have built in Ivins. Will you talk a little bit about, and we only have about five or six minutes left, but Rocky Vista and, and what it is. I think a lot of people... Uh, when they first heard about it, they're like, oh, that's some kind of tech school. They're going to teach them how to drive trucks or, or, or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with the tech school, but Rocky Vista is a, something a little more than that. I actually recently got to know a couple of the professors out there who are doctors, Dr. Uh, Brooks and Colby Beal, because yes, uh-huh. they just opened that Hillside Health Building. Uh, tell us a little bit, though, a little bit more about Rocky Vista in Ivans. Well, Rocky Vista University 
College of Osteopathic Medicine. Wow, that's a pretty big, pretty yeah. much tells you what it is. Mm-hmm. It is a it is a fully accredited uh, medical school. Only one of two in the state of Utah. That 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 blows. I think it blows. <laughs> I, I know it blows my mind. I know other people who are like, well, no, it's just a little. It's just a little college. It's not anything real. No, it's a it's a serious medical school yeah. And, yeah. and one of the finest osteopathic medical schools in the United States. Very highly ranked. And uh, the number of applicants that they have. So they, they bring in roughly 125-ish, or maybe it's a little more than that now, up to 150 um, On purpose, students, they keep it small, Students though, right? each year. Well, the, the, they, they, they are accredited for a certain capacity, right, okay. based on their facility and, right. and their ability to, um, to get them out in, into residencies and so forth later on. Mm-hmm. But let, let's say the number is 150. Uh, each year, there, there are approximately 5,000 applicants for those 150 positions. That ought to tell you a lot. And the students that come here, I mean, I, I've had a chance to, to interact with them through the, through the years. Just incredible young graduate students that are coming uh, here to Ivan's to receive their medical training. And uh, they're very, very advanced technologically. They've got, uh, they've got one of the finest, um, what is it called, a simulation lab where, where they actually operate on glorified dolls, if you will, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. that sort of look and function like... They, they would like probably yell at us if we called them dolls. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I can't come up with a better word. Um, figurines? Okay. Yeah, that. something like that. Facsimiles. So, so it's, a, it's a fantastic <laughs> medical school. The people that, uh, that come here, the students that come here uh, receive a, just an outstanding education. Um, osteopathy is uh, kind of on a, on a par now. There used to be a lot of friction between... Uh, osteopathic and allopathic uh, medicine, MDs versus DOs, right? Mm-hmm. But they, the, the test is the same now for an MD or a DO, and so you see DOs and MDs in hospital environments and clinical environments and so forth. And uh, their, their approach is a teeny bit different, a l- little, um, hmm, little more all-inclusive um, in terms of utilizing manipulation if needed or... Uh, supplements and so forth, I think you find a little more openness to that in, in the allopathic uh, medical arena. Well, and I kind of felt like um, they are better at, and just in talking with the couple I know there, the, the Beal, Beal brothers, uh, th- they are better at taking big picture looks at people and saying, okay, this is what's wrong, and here are the different ways that we can treat that or, or, or try to help you instead of Okay, you got a leg problem, go to a leg guy. You got an ankle problem, go to an ankle. If you got a head problem, you know, you know what I mean. That's just kind of what the feeling I got from them. Well, I'd hesitate to use the the word better. It's just a slightly different yeah, approach, right? You're I right. Mean, I'll, I'll get in trouble. In, in res- <laughs> no, in, in respect for uh, our wonderful MDs out there, sure. Um, it's a matter of training. I have a son who is who is a, an emergency doc in in Las Vegas, so uh, he's an MD. Wow. And uh, mm. and their training. Their training focuses slightly differently, I think, than perhaps the uh, the osteopathic training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, let's face it, uh, we know what we learned, right? And um, yeah. uh, but there's no question that surgery and uh, and clinical drugs and so forth become essential parts of, of treatments uh, or solutions to to medical problems. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think it's. Um, it's kind of how they how they go at it, and that 
that I believe is slightly different. Believe me, I don't know any details about this. So yeah, if you're, if you're hanging on my words, I wouldn't. <laughs> All right, we've got time for one quick phone call. We've got about two minutes left. Hey, thanks for calling in today. What's on your mind? Uh, I was listening to you uh, a few minutes ago about faster operating speeds and so forth. Right. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, I grew up, uh, worked in the Cold War years. And uh, well, from what I see coming is uh, our lives are going to be controlled by Google. And yeah. I don't want Pretty to much are. part of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. we've done very well during the Cold War years without having to have Google. And we put a man on the moon without Google. Yeah. And uh, so uh, somewhere along the line, there's going to have to be a, uh, a coming together, and maybe we can all live together. But... Right now, uh, for instance, we are losing the Cold War, and hmm. we've got all these great things, and uh, we're being beat. Being beat. Right. Well, the, the only way to slow down the advance of technology is for enough people to say, I don't like the direction this is going. Uh, unfortunately, Google is the, is the enormous corporation that it is mm-hmm. because the service that they, that they created was so generally appealing in the marketplace. I mean, they they didn't get there without without millions, perhaps even billions of people, deciding that that what they offered was something that uh, was worthwhile to them. So we're kind of fighting an uphill battle. If you're if you're going against the advance of technology, it's very hard to do. Well, we always, you know, I've got mine right here. We carry these cell phones around. We voluntarily yeah. track ourselves for whoever wants to exactly figure out how to do that. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, we've run out of time, Mayor. Uh, again, thanks for coming on today. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, you say you're 73. I still don't believe you. I think you're 53. Yeah. When the program's <laughs> over, I'll show you my driver's Okay. <laughs> thanks, Mayor Chris Hart from Ivan. Thank you very much.